0: This is recording number 10880, from the Teaching Ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Vallejo, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, August 22, 2010. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Inside Out. The Heart of a Hero. Last week, we talked about inside out, living heart first. And I did not, at the the time I was was preparing that message, I did not intend for it to become a a series of any sorts. But the more I considered what we talked about last week, and the desire that all of us expressed at the end of that service, when I asked you, those of you who were here will remember, I asked you um, with eyes wide open, all of us... Standing together, how many of you felt as though you had not been living heart first, but wanted to, and nearly every hand went up? And so when that happened, I thought, you know, we probably need to revisit this a little bit more and talk about what that means. What in the world does that look like? How can I be a person who is not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of my mind so that I can be living proof of the righteousness of God. And that's what we talked about last week. And so I decided to to go a little farther with this. And today we're going to be talking about the heart of a hero and be looking at uh, David, one of the heroes of the Bible, and how it was that he lived heart first. But before I do that, let me ask you a question and it's not a trick question, and nobody needs to be embarrassed or afraid to answer it. It's just what it is. I want to know, how, who's your hero? And you, you cannot use any members of the Trinity, the Father, Son, or Holy Spirit. Who are your heroes? Somebody raise a hand and tell me, your hero. Your dad. Somebody else? Kobe Bryant. Anybody else? Who's your hero? Batman? Okay. Grandma? All right. Marie? John? You guys are just sucking up to each other. That's all you're doing. Right? Who else is a hero? We're mom and dad. Okay. You know what? There were a few of the kind of expected people that we would think of as, as, as heroes. The the Kobe Bryant's the you know the Batman's and the that kind of thing, but I think that most of you would agree that even though there are we go through times in in our lives when we look up to people like that, people who have talent, people who are strong and courageous. Sometimes you know um, people will will idolize or uh, you know. Place as heroes in their lives, people of of uh, significant contribution in this world. Something that took great courage, like like uh, 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 you know, a world leader that steps up to the plate in a time of great conflict and makes a difference. Somebody like that. So there's there's talent, there's courage and strength, and there's also sometimes people will idolize those who are just plain who just plain look good, you know. But we all know that stuff fades. And all of us have had people that we've idolized or looked to in sort of a hero way or someone we would looked up to kind of fall apart, haven't we? In fact, um, I don't think I can ever watch another Mel Gibson movie. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. We've seen this people fall and fall so hard. But there is, isn't there something in us that wants to... Um, aspire to what we see in someone else of genuine heroic quality, that's something God placed in us. He meant for us to be people who live heroic lives. And that, dear one, that comes from the heart. It's not something that comes from outward beauty. It doesn't come from even strength and courage. It doesn't come even from talent. It's something that's from the heart. And so when we're talking about wanting to be people, God wanting us to be people who live heart first, he's talking about that kind of thing. People who live heroically but from their hearts. Um, My I'm going to read something to you now that's going to sound so totally self-serving, and it may even sound prideful or arrogant. Those of you who know me know I I am not a prideful man. I'm not an arrogant man. The rest of you will have to take my word for it. But I want to read this because it underscores what I just said. It's a card I received from my son who lives in Portland um, a couple of weeks ago. He said, I recently went to Montana, and while I was there, I had this great sensation To want to tell you how much I appreciate your gentle spirit. Both when I was growing up and over the last months, I hope to live by your example. There wasn't anything in there about my handsomeness, (laughs) nothing in there about my talent, nothing in there about my strength and courage. Dang. I desire to be as gracious to others as I feel you are. I love you, and I'm thinking of you always. The things that we want for people to admire uh, about us are, are the things of the heart. And, that, and that's what we are all looking for. Let's be those kind of people and let's look at David's example for how we might be able to, to um, live that out a little bit better. So I asked you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 24 and we're going to begin reading in verse 1. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En, of en- Gedi. Let me give you the back story. Saul was the first king of Israel, and he started out really great, but then he just really bombed out, one of these heroes that took a nosedive, and he, he is far from God at this stage in his life, and God has already abandoned Saul and has declared through the prophet Samuel, there's going to be another king. I've abandoned Saul. There's going to be another king, David, even identified who he was. And so Saul is paranoid. He's uh, really upset and anxious about this, and he wants like noth- nobody's business to put David to death. He wants to get rid of this competition. And so he's been hunting David down, and David has been basically running for his life. And Saul hears the word that David is at a specific location in Gedi, the wilderness of Gedi. Uh, Verse 2, then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where, where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. Who knows what those needs were, but he needs to go off by himself and take care of some business, and he goes in a cave to do it. Now see the parentheses there in that that, uh, verse where it says David and his men were staying in the recesses of that very cave. Get the picture? David running for his life. He's got this group of men. They're hiding from Saul in a cave and Saul walks in all by himself. It's like having your enemy handed to you on a platter. Verse 4, then the men of David said to him, this is the day which the lord said to you behold i will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you they're quoting from god they're quoting a prophecy that god had given that david that that he would deliver his enemies into david's hands and they're they're whacking david in the ribs and saying here it is And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. So while Saul's in there doing his business, David sneaks up on him and cuts off a little piece of his robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him. After doing this, it says that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his man, he said, Guys, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. This is so unusual, so strange, isn't it? Now, first of all, David would have have had every right to take Saul's life. Saul has been trying to kill him. At one point, he tried to pin him to a wall with a spear. He would have every right and every reason to uh, reciprocate and take Saul's life. On top of that, it's been prophesied that God would deliver his enemy into David's hand. On top of that... David has been, we have in the book of Psalms, which is a collection of songs and poetry, much of which David penned or wrote, we have a psalm in there that David was writing from that cave before Saul entered, and in it, he's praying, he's, how many of you are journal? How many of you journal? Okay, then you know what I'm talking about. He's in this cave, and he's kind of writing a poem that's basically a journal, and he says, oh God, deliver my enemies into my hands. And here comes Saul. Now, wouldn't you, wouldn't you think, wow, God is answering my prayer. So there's every reason why David wouldn't take advantage of this opportunity except his heart wouldn't let him. This was a man who lived heart first. And he refused to take, it, to take into his own hands what was God's business to do. So those of us who want to live heart first, who want to have the heart of a hero, the kind of heart, the kind of approach to life that others would admire, we would do well to pay attention to this man, David. And that's what we're going to do. I'm just going to put a couple, uh, three things up here on the board to consider or on the screen to consider about what it means to have a hero's heart. First, a hero's heart is a heart of integrity. Integrity. Now, this is a word that gets used a lot um, and often without much um, attention to the meaning. Uh, It comes up a lot these days in uh, political campaigns, doesn't it? Uh, the word integrity. Everybody wants to be the candidate of integrity. And I suppose what, we, what po- most people mean by that is that they're honest. But integrity really, I mean, honesty would be part of it, but integrity is such a bigger word than that. Integrity means that every aspect of who I am is fully integrated. So that what you see on the outside is the same that's on the inside. So when I'm standing up here in front of you on Sunday morning and I'm preaching from God's word that I am the same person as when I go to my neighbor's house to borrow his lawnmower and I'm standing on his doorstep, I'm the same person everywhere I go. That's what uh, integrity means. Think of the word integrated. And when we live a life of integrity, what we're really saying is that our hearts shape our exterior life. Our hearts are what shapes our exterior life. We talked a lot about that last week, so I won't spend a lot of time on it. But Psalm, actually, let me back that up. Psalm uh, 78 verse 72 says, so he, talking about David, it says, so he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart. David was a man of true integrity there in the cave of Abdullah, when Saul walks in, the The integrity, his heart, is what dictated how he behaved. A lot of times, our exterior life is dictated by other things, isn't it? I won't ask you to raise your hand because you don't want to implicate yourself, but I'll raise my hand. A lot of times, my exterior life is not dictated by my heart. It's dictated by other people's expectations of me what they expect to see. So I just automatically want to measure up to what they expect to see. It's almost uh, subconscious in a way. We end up, uh, uh, this is going to sound like a, a very harsh, but a lot of us play the chameleon. Whatever the surroundings, whatever the exterior circumstances, however they present themselves, we want to blend into that. So if I'm in a club, I'm one way. If I'm in church, I'm another. If I'm at the office, I'm another. And we don't want to be that way. But if we're honest, there's some of that that we're all dealing with. And I just want to present to you, what we want is to live heart first. What we want is to have heroic hearts, that our hearts dictate our external life, that we live everywhere, every day, every time by the dictates of our hearts. Another thing that that a heroic heart, another characteristic of a heroic heart is that it's steadfast, steadfast. Psalm 57, verse 7, David is speaking, and he says, My heart is steadfast. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. And we're getting a look inside of this heart of a hero, and, and the Scripture tells us that part. one of the definitions or descriptions of that is that it's steadfast. Now, a steadfast heart overrules our circumstances. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, just a, a real current example in my own life. Um, most of you know that nearly two years ago, uh, my wife was uh, or had emergency surgery to remove a football-sized, uh, cancerous tumor from her abdomen. That uh, it was a form of cancer that is in almost every instance. Uh, terminal. it's very aggressive, very deadly, and, um, you know, the, the, uh, survival rate is under 10%, and most people don't, once they're diagnosed with, diagnosed with this form of adrenal cancer, they die within seven months. Now, we're almost two years later, and she has, uh, every three months, she has a CT scan, and they, you know, they, they check to see if there's anything popping up in there, and, uh, so, back in May, she had her regularly scheduled CT scan, and all along through this period of time, every one of these appointments with the oncologist, the oncologist, first thing she does when she sits down is say, it's all clear, and we rejoice, hallelujah, thank God. You know. Now, the one that, ha- that she had in May, the oncologist didn't start off with those words, And we thought, well, that's kind of odd. And eventually, she got around to saying, "Here, look at this." And she brought the screen up and she said, "Here's some things that the uh, that are showing up on this scan that we're a little concerned about. We don't know what they are, but they're causing us some concern." So, so, and and by the way, I should say that we had made a decision. Uh, Sue and I had made a decision that she would go off the medication that she's been taking because it was having some pretty significant side effects in her life and in um, her body. And uh, it can't, the, the medication she was, she was on doesn't um, cure, it doesn't even, uh, if, if the cancer's present, it doesn't even kill it. It just, Restrains the growth of the cancer, so ultimately it wasn't going to do much good anyway. So we just decided to stop, and then we go and we have this, um, you know, from the doctor that there's some stuff now that they're kind of concerned about. So we've lived for three months with this kind of in the background circumstances that were troubling. Circumstances are the stuff that kind of you find you know you find yourself a set of realities you find yourself square in the middle of. Negative circumstances are ones that are not pleasant. Positive circumstances are ones that are okay. We found ourselves dead in the center of this set of living our lives for the last three months in the set of this potential diagnosis hanging over us, a set of adverse conditions or circumstances. Now, I'd be less than honest than to say that there were times when fear... Would, would rise up. Uh, there, there were times when, because we have, you I, 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 I'm sorry to drag you through this whole story because many of you know, but I'll summarize by saying that just prior to my wife ha- f- uh, having the... Um, incident that resulted in this emergency surgery where this cancer was discovered, God had spoken to her clearly from his word and given her some, sp- some very specific promises. He said that you're going to come under attack. Do not be afraid. He said, uh, from, this is from the book of Isaiah. So he, and, and So he said, don't be afraid. Then he said, um, this will come to nothing and then he said, those searched for, this enemy will not be found. And so we've clung to that promise. We had this promise from God that we've clung to all this time. And I'd be less than honest to, if I didn't say that in the past three months, as we were in these adverse uh, circumstances, that sometimes our grip on those promises were, would be loosened a bit. But, but we never let go. Thank God. Thank God. We never let go. And something of a heart of steadfastness, a steadiness in the face of whatever circumstances you find yourself in, enabled us to hold on, even though at times it was challenging, hold on to those promises, and by faith believe God. So we had um, an appointment... um, Thursday with the oncologist this past week for the most recent scan. And, you know, about Wednesday, uh, we started really having to deal with that fear thing, you know. But I remember, you know, Sue and I were were talking on the phone. She was driving home and I just, just pulled up at the house and we were talking on the phone about this and we just, we said, you know what? No matter what, fear has no place here no matter what. Even if we go in there tomorrow and they say, you've got two months to live, fear does not belong in our lives. And so together, we just resisted fear. Something of the steadfastness of God in our hearts beat back the circumstances. And so we walked into that doctor's office uh, the next day and sat down and... um, he says, "You know, here's here's a scan side by side. This was the one in May with the troubling things. Here it is again, and there's really no difference. So, I don't think there's anything related to your cancer here. I don't think it's anything to worry about." Hallelujah. Praise God. But you know what? Our the battle for that moment had been won the day before. And long before that too. And we decided to trust God in the midst of this. So Steadfast heart, a heroic heart, is one that clings to the promises of God and remains steady through whatever circumstances life throws you, whatever hell heaves at you. You remain steady through it. Steadfastness. Finally, a heroic heart is a pure heart. Psalm 101, 101, the second verse, David is writing again, and David says, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Now, none of us, I don't think, would claim that we have a perfect heart. But really, that's not the meaning of the word. It means pure. And that's different. Um... Because again, I mean, most of us would resist making the claim that our hearts are pure. But listen, there can be a purity of heart that each of us experiences because the Savior has taken residence in my heart. The one who is pure. And when I live heart first. When I live out of that purity, integrity shapes my exterior life. Purity orders my interior life. I do not watch um, Big Brother. How many, well, you might be embarrassed if you raise your hand, so I won't ask you to do that. (laughs) But can you imagine living in a house where Cameras and microphones were trained on you 24 7. Yikes. Now, Chris Amitrano, our youth pastor, is living in my house right now, so I have a little bit of that. I have a little camera walking around the house all the time, and it's a little unnerving because, well, stuff happens there. You know? But David says, I will live within my house with a pure heart. In other words, he says, he says bring it on. Turn on the lights, the cameras, and the video. Um, I'm good. Because my heart is pure. So what goes on behind closed doors? Same thing you're going to see on the outside. No surprises there. So a heroic heart is a heart of integrity a heart of steadfastness and a heart of purity as we close today what I want to do is invite the Lord to help us to live that way this is not something you're going to be able to do just because you decide to But this is something that God can help us to do and cause to happen in our life more and more with increasing intensity that we could be people who live with integrity, steadfastness, and purity.